0: Hi, I'm Vaishmada. I beat the Often Path by building an online clinic providing ketamine
1: treatment to people with depression and anxiety. Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast, the show where we help you see your life and career from a broader perspective to remind us that there are more possibilities out there than we've been sold. Joining me today is Mai Shimada, medical doctor and the founder and CEO of Isha Health, that's ISHA Health, providers of ketamine assisted therapy. She spent many years of her life as an ER doctor and she came to understand that ketamine was a legal and underutilized treatment option for clinically resistant depression, PTSD, and a whole range of other mental health disorders. In this episode, we are going to talk about drugs. Even though this treatment is completely legal, if that bothers you, please turn off this episode right now and go somewhere else. I'm going to preface this episode by saying that I am not a doctor, nor an expert. I'm just your local neighborhood idiot who doesn't know anything about anything or anyone. So do yourself a favor and never listen to a single word that I say. But, please do hear out Dr. Mai Shimada, because she's an incredible human, and she's joining us today. Do you happen to listen to dance music, Mai, by any chance?
0: I've been once a while.
1: Okay, because when I want to start this episode, I feel like I should do like one of those old DJ scratch tools, like, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk about drugs, 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 drugs. <laughs> uh... That is a bit of a disclaimer, but it's like, this is wildly inappropriate already. But no, it is an interesting topic. Um, so many people suffering from depression. So many people out there wondering what the heck it is all for, especially during the pandemic and during all of these crazy times, depression is running rampant. This is a very hot topic in general. So explain to me and to all of us how you got involved and what you do.
0: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, depression is such a huge issue, not just limited to America, but globally. uh, 322 million suffer from depression. And, uh, one, Fifth of um, the American population suffer from a form of mental health. So, um, there's really a, a, such a big issue. And particularly for depression treatment, even when you go through those medication treatments, like therapy session, uh, about one third of the uh, people with depression become treatment resistant, meaning they don't respond to uh, the treatment that's available, right? And what do they do? Uh, there's really no good option right now. So, um, there are, um, newer treatment coming into this uh, treatment, um, one of them is uh, ketamine. Um, so ketamine is a substance that was originally approved by FDA in 1970, uh, originally as an anesthetic. So it's been used mostly in a setting of emergency room, operating room for the purpose of sedation, pain control, uh, anesthesia. Uh, but over the past, past 10 years or so, it's been increasingly used for the treatment of mental health. And uh, in 2019, uh, intranasal S-ketabine to was approved FDA for treatment-resistant depression. And more and more clinicians are using ketamine for the treatment of depression, anxiety, and other related mental health illnesses. Um, however, um, many of those treatments are delivered in the uh, in-person clinic, which is really hard to access for many people, especially if you're struggling with uh, severe depression and anxiety. It's really hard to get out, to do anything, motivated to do anything. Um, so we are... Uh, We created this online clinic to be able to make this effective treatment for a depression, ketamine treatment, uh, accessible uh, for more people.
1: Wow. So when we talk about treatment-resistant depression, what types of treatment are we talking about? Is that just other types of drugs?
0: Yeah, so by definition, treatment-resistant depression is defined by... People with depression who do not uh, achieve more uh, pharmacological treatments such as SSRI and other treatments. So that's the definition. Um, But in reality, many people have gone through um, more than two um, medications and multiple uh, modalities of um, the psychotherapy sessions. And even after years of treatment, they still just, they, many of them improve to some degree, but not really quite to the point where they want to be. Um, they continue to have a low mood. And even when they uh, respond to the certain medications and the depression symptoms get somewhat better, they tend to suffer from many side effects, which, which makes it really hard to uh, continue the treatment. So, yeah, that's uh, the struggle with the, the treatment of depression.
1: Very interesting. Now, here's a question that I've always wondered. In a world that is increasingly crazy and scary and weird, is it illogical to be depressed? Should somebody be happy with everything that's going on what how do we define depression if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah with all the, with all the stress um, with um, life um, it is it is hard uh, for many people. Um, but um depression um in pathological sense or medical sense uh, is defined by not just having. The uh the symptoms of a low mood um but also that makes it hard to, uh function uh, to be able to work to uh to up to to do things that you uh, want to do in your life so that that is the uh the depression um in in a medical diagnosis uh medical definition way but yeah you're right um yeah it it is a hard work to live in especially right now with. Whatever is happening with the economy and in an industry, it, it is really hard and it makes sense that more and more people are suffering from the uh, conditions uh, such as depression. and especially what the, the exhaustion treatment not working very well uh, to improve those conditions. Um, yeah, it is, it is time to, uh, it is time for the new way to address this issue.
1: Right. It's like you sit in a cubicle for 14 hours typing on a little box and we say, you should be happy all the time. Right. It's like, should you? I don't know. And and I say that not belittling the the condition at all because I know that it's rampant. But there are many issues in the world that make it hard to know whether what is normal function or when is a human being functioning correctly? That's something that I wonder, not to get too philosophical. <laughs> what is our best state? Is our best state just being accepting of everything and being in a state of bliss? Or is it just, okay, you feel bad about stuff, but you still get up and do it. You just hate your job, but you still go. Is that functioning normally? What do you think the yeah. ideal is?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um Yeah, many people are functional in a way that they get things a lot of done and they may uh, get ahead in their life because they just keep executing, right? But um, yeah, on the deeper level, um, many of those people may not be really feeling very happy or may not be living the, living the, the fulfilling life they want, they wish to live. And um, you know, we do see patients who, uh, on a surface level, seemingly doing very well, uh, but when they come to us, they confess the internal struggles uh, that they are having. Um, Or, yeah, um, some people are just not aware of what they are doing to be able to function, but they experience certain symptoms as a manifestation of ignoring those other issues that they have. So yeah, it is a, um, it's not just about treating the symptoms um that is really uh important here um addressing overall lifestyle or how you look at your life or how you make a living what's your purpose all those things are all related to um the feeling of uh the happiness or that the mood or um and the fulfillment uh, in your life so yeah it's it becomes a very very philosophical. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I agree with you in that it's not just simply just uh, like one way, um just being happy all the time, like being uh, able to function in this society is is not um, it's it's not always an answer. and there's really no one single uh, right way um, yeah. for yeah, anybody, right? so yeah, it is it is uh, it is a it becomes very philosophical. And uh, yes.
1: yeah, I like me a lot. And also in a society where we have clear grades, we have billionaires and people who don't have enough food to eat. We have so many gradations in our society and in the world in general. Some people are living on less than a dollar a day and other people have billions and billions of dollars that they don't know what to do with. It's like, what is, again, you know. Uh, Before we jump into something much less philosophical, how about answer me this question? Do you believe that everybody in the world could not be depressed and or be happy? Do you believe that that's philosophically possible?
0: That's a really good question. That is a really good question. I think it is possible. Um, I come from a place that I feel very... um, fortunate to be um i do i am aware that there are a lot of suffering that i haven't experienced myself so i can't really speak for those people who have experienced a lot of things that i haven't um and i can't imagine how hard those things are but because i haven't i don't have the lived experience of it same i can't speak for them right um but yeah we just based on the conversation that I've been having with my patients who have gone through a lot um, some of them are more functional than the others um, some are not and uh, even those who have gone through a lot um, many of them are able to get to a better place in terms of their uh, well-being and happiness level uh, when they um, try to work on it. Um, It's really not the good one solution for everybody to be able to get there. But I do believe that there is a way for everybody to get to the place better than where they currently are. Um, If that answers your question. It
1: it does. And I think I intuitively believe that as well. And we'll get into that, I think, more in just a little bit. I also believe that a lot of people aren't looking. For me, I look to philosophy. I read a lot of these types of books. Some people wrestle with these questions daily, and other people seem to never really think about them at all. And that's a fascinating part of of humans. Some people are constantly thinking about happiness and philosophy and life and death and our purpose. And I tend to be more in that camp, but I'm very aware that a lot of people don't think about those issues at all on any given day. They just get up, they go to work, they do their thing, they come back, they collect a paycheck, and that's the end of the story. They watch a football game, and if you say, hey, let's talk about this, they'll say, I don't want to, doesn't interest me. But hey, did you see the football game yesterday? Because that interests me a lot, right? That's a huge percentage of, of people that I've noticed. But I want to talk about your personal journey, because you worked in the ER You Like you said, this has been a product that's been administered. It's been approved since the 1970s. It's been used in emergency room situations for a long time. So talk to me about your experience in that very crazy, traumatic environment and how that led to you having this idea to maybe branch out and build it as another concept.
0: Yeah. um, So as you mentioned, uh, I am board-certified emergency physician. um, So I've been working. I worked in ER uh, for about 10 years or so, and yeah, I used ketamine a lot for, mostly for the purposes that I mentioned earlier, uh, for sedation and pain control. Um, And when I was using ketamine for that purposes, uh, for those purposes, I haven't really thought about the implication, uh, its implication for mental health per se, because it was just one of the medications we use for sedation. Um, But while I was working in ER, I started to question some of the practice that I, that we do, they were employ in the ER. Uh, we see a lot of mental health patients in the ER because of the lack of resources they have nowhere else to go so they end up coming to ER. So we work with a lot of patients struggling with mental health, although what we do in the ER is basically to medically clear them and refer them to the uh, psychiatrist or um, whatever facility that is appropriate for them and those patients tend to just keep coming back. And those are the patients who specifically come for mental health reasons. And there is another big population of patients who come to ER for various complaints, such as um, migraine or um, hypertension, high blood pressure, or uh, anxiety, not necessarily manifesting as anxiety, but more feeling of, uh, like insomnia is another one, um, or chronic pain. All those symptoms are um, they, they come to ER with those symptoms, so we treat them right? Like we um, address the pain, uh, if they're having um, high blood pressure, we try to control blood pressure, et cetera. But whenever I look at those patients, uh, there tend to be underlying mental health issues um, that lead to develop, lead them to develop those um, medical conditions. Many of those patients are suffering from depression, anxiety, even when they haven't been diagnosed with And uh, that realization made me feel that we have to approach mental health in a different way, Um, not just putting a bandaid on to just um, have them less experience the the, the symptoms that they're having, but more, we need to address this in in a more fundamental way. uh, So that Led me to explore different treatment options for depression and anxiety. And um, um, yeah, ketamine treatment um, caught my attention, partially because uh, one of our fellow members who have been struggling with treatment resistant depression for some time, he was starting on ketamine treatment about, about three and a half years, four years ago by now. Wow. And yeah, that really changed his life. And uh, wow. yeah, that kind of opened my eyes and ketamine for mental health indications uh, not in a way that I had uh, before. And from there, yeah, I started reading a lot of articles around it and realized that there's a lot of robust evidence behind uh, ketamine for, uh, especially for treatment of resistant depression and more indications are being researched right now. And from there, I started to research more in the psychedelics, that search on uh, such as psilocybin um, and other substances that are uh, being in clinical trials. And um, yeah, as I read more, I'm surprised how much potential those compounds have uh, at the level that we haven't really seen in the mental health treatment. So yeah, that got me to, that got me really excited about this field.
1: Completely agree, I'm also equally excited. Um, So your family member, can you describe in brief what changes you witnessed over the three and a half, four year ago period?
0: Yeah, so he was Um, Well, basically he was depressed uh, pretty much his entire life, so uh, whenever we see him, um, yeah, he's not a family member that, uh, like, I I have two siblings, and, like, whenever we see him, uh, like, he's an interesting character, but he's always kind of grumpy and not very, uh, like, we didn't really we didn't see him very often either because, like, he I think was too depressed to get out. Um, and whenever we had an interaction with him, uh, it was not very a pleasant interaction uh, on our end uh, as a child. Um, but yeah, after the treatment, like, he started to come out to those family gatherings more often. And, um, and he's still a little grumpy to some extent, but um, like, he engages in the conversation and even like I think that was the first time like we saw him laughing in public <laughs> in the final gallery, wow. which is remarkable. Um so yeah that was really noticeable change after he started him academic treatment. So yeah, um I didn't know what he uh, what was the change behind it until I Asked him specifically about it, and um, yeah, he was starting academy infusion. And it was, he was on psychotherapy session even before, but uh, additionally, he was starting academy infusion, uh, which really um changed him. And it seems that um, he he still gets the uh, the infusion every three weeks or so. And during those sessions, he experienced things that uh, he usually doesn't, and especially earlier phase of treatment, those experiences were really profound in a way that got him to think of his life and a relationship with his families, people around him in a completely different way. Um, and that seemed to have given a really good basis for the psychotherapy sessions that he had been having. So, yeah, it seemed that the combination of this medication treatment with ketamine infusion and psychotherapy session was really a um, like life-changing treatment for him in a real sense. Yeah.
1: Well, we know that these things are becoming more popular in the mainstream. Obviously, some people have known these benefits for decades and decades and decades, but now Michael Pollan making things popular with how to change your mind and... So people are feeling more and more comfortable, including people who have historically been on the opposite side of this harmful drugs argument, like police officers, retired army and military vets, people suffering from PTSD who have historically been very anti-drug. We're starting to see wider acceptance in all communities of these as being viable treatment options because more and more people are having these kinds of positive experiences like you described. Somebody has had PTSD for a decade and they go into treatment like this and suddenly they're better when nothing else worked, or at least there's a marked improvement. And that gets a lot of people thinking. Now, the cynic in me, of course, you say, why aren't these things being more adopted? The cynic in me says, well, there are financial structures in place, if I can, and Michael Pollan talks about this, if I can give you one dose of magic mushrooms and change your life forever, how can I make any money off of that versus a pill that costs a lot of money that I demand that you take every single day for the rest of your life? Or even the historical idea of therapists or one of the the chief complaints, everybody knows there's a mental health crisis. Everybody knows they need therapy. But you do have to wonder when the therapist on the other side has a financial incentive to keep you in therapy. They want you to keep coming back every week. There's not a lot of incentive from this structure that we exist in to actually cure somebody in one quick session and just say, "Okay, we fixed this problem. We have a lot of money invested in not really fixing this problem. It seems to me as an idiot who knows nothing about anything. So. What is it about then ketamine versus psilocybin? We know there are a few things, LSD acid. We know there are a few different things in this category, broadly speaking. So why did you choose this one of the others? And how has that been building this out?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, before touching the part, um, I don't know about the pharma industry, but uh, coming from more of the clinician background, uh, clinicians typically sincerely want their patients to get better. They really do, and uh, uh, yes, it may be to their financial uh, merit to be able to keep their their patients as long as um like they around basically. Um, but uh, clinicians become clinicians because they wanted to um do a good thing for the people around them, right? So that's the the the, the um like that that is the biggest drive for them to become the clinicians to start with. Right. So, yeah, um, it is very unfortunate that many of the treatments that are available still require patients to um, kind of stuck with the system for a very long time period. But uh, if there is any treatment that will make them feel great for the rest of their life, that's that's something that that's old, clinician treatment. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just want to point it out though. Um, but, First of all, yeah, let me just uh, say
1: that I do personally agree. I only am playing devil's advocate here. I know that. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but that's, that's what you hear. So right.
0: So, yeah, I just wanted to, yeah, uh, yeah make, make my point here. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I sincerely want my patients to get better. And if there's any fix, if I give just one dose and if that patient gets better for the rest of their life, like that's what I want. Right. Um, so, anyhow, so yeah, we chose ketamine because that is the only legal available option right now. Uh, as a broadly psychedelic substance. Um, yeah, As I mentioned, ketamine has been used in medicine for 50 years, so clearly it's a legal substance, although it has been used in recreational settings with previous as well. Um, and other substances um, in, um, in psychedelics, including psilocybin, MDMA, LSD, they are still. Uh, not legal, uh, they were Schedule One substance, right. uh, meaning that they, they define Schedule One substance as a, basically a substance that has little... Uh, no condition.
1: medical use whatsoever. Yeah. Completely yeah. worthless. Yes.
0: Yeah, right, it's very interesting. Uh, that was the um, the product of the Controlled Substance Act. Um, anyhow, so kind of is the only legal uh, substance that we can use to treat those conditions uh, in a clinic setting, uh, having said that, um, I think there have been a lot of progress in terms of the, uh, the, 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 the past towards tour legal, legalization of those psychedelic compounds. Um, so there are uh, in multiple cities uh, in this country that have decriminalized uh, psilocybin, for example, uh, the medical Colorado industry.
1: just recently. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. And Oregon just like January this year, uh, they just started moving towards legalization of magic mushroom usage. Um, so under certain facilitation, um, and uh, Colorado probably is going to take us uh, on a similar framework. And um, yeah, from the research perspective, um, MAPS uh, just finished the clinical trial of MDMA for PTSD uh, last month. And um, yeah, they are moving towards uh, the following for FDA approval. So, with all those movements, I would expect those substances to be approved by FDA um, eventually and hopefully get rescheduled um, so that we can use as uh, just regular medicine. Like uh, right now, there is psychiatric medicine, which is uh not really seen as a part of the regular medicine but i think cyclic medicine is going to become just another medicine to to be used for conditions so and soon that 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 has to happen and i think that will
1: Hmm. so you decide to branch off you're aware of these chemicals being useful and you decide to create your own thing so how did it go in terms of creating a business around this new hotly contested area for yourself and how has the experience been now that you've been doing this in terms of treating your patients or clients or however you refer to them what have you witnessed and what propels you forward in this line of work
0: um it hasn't really changed from the beginning um we want to create a place for patients to be able to access this treatment easily. So yeah, that's where we started, and that's what we're doing. Um, so we are an online clinic providing academic treatment for people with depression and anxiety. So um, so that's what we do, and um, yeah, we are hoping to expand to other substances as they get legalized and rescheduled. Um, so that's the, um, that's uh, our hope for the future, and what we're seeing in the clinic is uh, pretty remarkable. Um, it is not surprising just based on those research papers that's already out there, but yeah, we do see very significant improvement of the symptoms uh, among patients who have been struggling with depression and anxiety for years, and yeah, many of them are seemingly functional. They um, Many of them have a full-time job and they're working hard, but at the same time they're struggling with all those symptoms of depression and anxiety. They tend to have some underlying trauma. They're aware of those things, but it is really hard to address them in a way that uh, is a healing process for them. And academy has been beneficial for those patients to be able to actually feel those emotions or revisit the experiences that they had in the past. Um, so those things become the material to be discussed during the psychotherapy sessions, uh, which we call the integration session after our ketamine session. And yeah, that really improved many of our patients, uh, the symptoms and um, yeah, some people, some patients even said that I've never felt this good in my life. And uh, yeah, those are the moments that we really um, feel fortunate to be able to operate in the space. Mm.
1: Is there still so much stigma attached, do you think? Are there two kinds of people that seek you out? People who are interested because of reading literature and they're open to it, and then other people for whom they only accept this because they feel that they've tried everything else and they're just at their wits end? Or is there still sort of a fear of oh ketamine? I associate that with uh, criminals or with overdosing or people. You know, the the general consensus about this is not, I would say, in my opinion, positive yet. So how do people yeah. get involved in this?
0: Right. Um, yeah, I would say that generally speaking, attitudes toward ketamine is still not positive. Um, yeah, it, it is changing quite fast um, because in like a Poland's book and there are a lot more providers out there these days. Um, but especially for people who are coming from um diverse background, like I am an immigrant myself and I grew up in a, a Japanese household where all the drugs are for criminals. So like that was right. A kind of exactly. you right even think
1: it. of it, you're yeah, exactly. a human being. Yeah.
0: And so that's one thing about the uh, uh, the substance itself, and also the mental health treatment itself was somewhat stigmatized in my own community. So uh, those things are still a pretty big burden for many patients to to seek out ketamine treatment. Um, but yeah, as more researches uh, research comes out uh, with more evidences showing the efficacy of ketamine and other compounds for the mental health treatment, people will start to see it as another treatment. Right. So I think that will make it easier for those who have stigmatized view of those treatments to realize this is actually a valid treatment for them so yeah, yeah i i hope that uh, this change will continue to happen um i think it will
1: i i think so too i think it's just a matter of time so with, with some of your patients and some of the people that you have helped and some of those people who say, I've never felt this good in my life before, what are the kinds of new thoughts or new thought patterns that they have that change their perception of their life and their role within life that they didn't have before? Can you maybe summarize some of those for us?
0: It is really broad. Um, every patient is different. Every ketamine system is different. So there's really no one this old answer here. Um, having said that, um, ketamine tends to make it easier for you to get out of the cycle uh, that you're stuck in, um, which tends to be the case with many of those mental health conditions. With the, the case of a depression, for example, you tend to get stuck in this negative loop of thought and you can just get out. Uh, you keep, uh, And with the um, the anxiety, you get this like anxious cycle. And ketamine makes it easier for you for them to get out of those loop that they are really used to, and start to adopt the new way of uh, thinking, uh, experiencing, responding to whatever they're experiencing. Um, so that tends to be the um, that that tends to be how they um, get better, um, getting out of the loop they are accustomed to. Um, yeah, mm. and some people do experience certain memories from the path they haven't thought about for a very long time. And that those those are the patients who are not completely aware of where those depression and anxiety are coming from. They tend to be associated with certain experiences in the past, typically during childhood. Um, Being able to access those memories, give them awareness of where those symptoms are coming from. And that helps them to understand why they feel this way, why they react to certain things this way and understanding of that make it easier for them to be able to, um, to address certain issues they have on day to day. So that's how they get better too.
1: Interesting. So a lot of it in your opinion is accessing past memories or maybe buried deep memories. That seems to be a, a key trend in your findings.
0: Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, Not everyone experiences that. Um. As I mentioned, every patient is different. So that's one way and getting out of this loop, develop a new habit is another way. And um, you know, in our practice, we don't really um, have the patients to experience all, all the way on the um, to say, And like, deeper, very deep ketamine, ketamine experience can be so much closer to psilocybin experience uh, if you're familiar with it, um, which you may experience when you get the ketamine infusion, for example. But in our clinic, uh, we use oral lozenge, whose uh, experience tends to be lighter. So um, there are two major ways to use ketamine therapeutic setting. One is psycholytic approach, where you use a medication as a um, the the facilitator to be able to uh, access some sort of emotions, memory, et cetera, As opposed to well, the second approach, psychedelic. Ah, uh, you experience something extraordinary, um, completely on a different dimension you know, from the reality that gives you certain, certain insights And in our clinic, we take that the first way uh, approach. Um, so, yeah, the experience with our patients seems to be more about adopting new habits, uh, adopting new way of thinking, and accessing certain memories, emotions, etc.
1: That's very, very cool. So I can imagine that there are a lot of people in your position, or who are therapists, or who want to help people. And this whole frontier represents a series of exciting tools to help them do their job better. What requirements are there for somebody who wants to do this kind of work? Do you need to be a doctor to open a clinic like this? What sort of what do you need to have to be able to do this or to spread this message?
0: Yeah, so there are two components uh, to this treatment. One is the medication prescription. So, for that, you need to have a certain license such as MD, DL, or you can be be an NPOPA to be able to prescribe those medications. And it is uh, very important for that prescriber to have experience working with this particular medicine to be able to deliver this care. Uh, safely so that's the first part and the second part is a psychotherapy part um, so psychotherapists have been working with the clients using different modalities um, psychotherapeutically and um, but what they do during the ketamine sessions um, as patients go through ketamine treatment can be very different from the typical psychotherapy so there are multiple uh, training um, training courses or schools out there to for, for provide education for those psychotherapists who are interested in um, providing ketamine treatment. So yeah, if you're a psychotherapist who are interested in um, working with the clients using ketamine, I highly recommend um, seeking out uh, those schools to get certain trainings, getting get some basic understanding of what this treatment is all about. And then uh, start working with the clinicians who experience with what those Uh, substances and treatment modality to be able to provide this treatment, uh, in a safe manner.
1: Yeah. So in, in your own life, when you wanted to make that transition, was it education that you sought out? Was it a scary transition to go from working in the art? Was it something that you were excited to do? Talk to me about those early months before you knew that this was viable. How did you actually make that leap?
0: Yeah. Um, so I was already familiar with the medication uh, itself, uh, ketamine, because uh, I'm a year old dog, so this is something I use, I use all the time. Yeah. Um, but for mental health treatment, I was not very familiar with it. So, yeah, I did certain trainings, and I spoke to a clinician already in the field. Um, so, um, yeah, that's where, uh, how I started. But um, I also did uh, uh, training at the... Um, Yes, yeah, starting ketamine training courses, and I'm looking into expanding to other substances, other psychedelics. So I'm currently in a used Berkeley uh psychedelic facilitation facilitator course wow. uh, to get more. Um, to yeah, that course has been great in a way um, to give me better understanding of this like larger picture for um psychedelic treatment not just the substance or psychotherapy part like there's more to that uh as a treatment as a whole so it's been um very educational and helpful for me um so yeah the transition from your doc to ketamine uh therapy um started with like personal researches and then i enrolled in certain courses and then i spoke with the clinicians and eventually started working with those clinicians to open the clinic together
1: That's uh, really, really cool. Do you feel now that you've done it for a little while, do you feel that your life has improved? Do you feel better about your career? Do you feel better about what you're doing on a personal level than what you were doing, say, 10 years ago? I mean, which was already pretty amazing because nothing is more noble than being an ER doc. So let's just start there. It wasn't like you were doing bad things before.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed working as an ER physician as well. Um, But I think I... Uh, was personally very passionate about mental health care. So like this work has been very fulfilling to me in the way that I am uh, working with the people struggling with the mental health and um, you know, we do feel that we are actually being helpful to them, so it's been great. Um, and yeah, like my hope is that uh, this treatment gets adopted in like a wider, um, medical community, like it can be usually used in emergency department uh, setting as well. When, like, as I mentioned earlier, we see a lot of mental health patients, but we don't really provide much treatment in ER as an ER doc. But maybe ketamine treatment is a really good way to start the treatment um, if they are, uh, if they have already gone through multiple treatments and not they're not getting better. So, that's one way, one thing that I'm thinking. Uh, I'm hoping to see, uh, in the near future. Um, so yeah, overall, yeah, it's been, it's been a great transition. Um, it's been a lot of learning. I was just a clinician working in the ER and now I work with, um, the different clinicians, not just clinicians, but also all sorts of people to, to make this clinic happen uh, together. So yeah, it's been very humbling, exciting and rewarding experience.
1: That's so cool. And working in an ER, I have an impression. I know a friend who's going to med school now, and he has trained in an ER, and he tells some of these horrific stories, just awful stories about people who come in. So in your time as an ER doc, you must have seen some just horrific things how do you did you deal with all of those types of things yourself? Was that traumatic or difficult for you witnessing all of that, or do you think it's just a certain type of person that can handle that, a certain type of person that can't?
0: Yeah, I think I was more of the person who was not really glad uh, dealing with all the things that I was experiencing um yeah especially during the time I was a resident in a really busy hospital in New York. Um, yeah, it was really busy and we keep seeing a lot of things and as a uh, immigrant woman of color, um, you know, like, the, uh, like you experience our own things and those things are really, um, when I look back, I think it was yeah, in some way a traumatic experience for me, although at that time, I don't think I even had a second to be able to see it that way because I just had to keep going to be able to be functional. Um, so yeah, I that was the around the time that I recognized my defense mechanism was making it harder for me to connect with people, um, with people around me, um, because. I had to build a certain wall to be able to protect myself from all the, the things that was happening around me in the ER and a work environment um so yeah and the realization of that uh got me uh curious about how I can improve my own mental health and yeah that's it's been an ongoing journey for me growing up um I was in Japan and i practiced martial arts i did a Japanese archery nice. uh, every day from um the age 12 to age 18 so like years, wow. so like a lot of um yeah uh, i'm
1: glad and, we're not in person right now i'm glad <laughs> I, I don't want to well, say anything to upset you well you said you watch uh, out.
0: Out. You had a ball an hour to be able to do anything but anyway um so yeah that was a uh, that was pretty intense training and I think that gave me an opportunity to be able to reflect on myself at a deeper level and that uh, because I did it pretty extensively like pretty, pretty much every day I think that became a part of me so on a day level I do have um, a moment to zone into that like uh, meditative mode uh, where I uh, connect deeply to my own core and also with uh things around me and um that practice made me realize my disconnect with the people around me during that another New York time um like anyway yes yeah, Since then, it's been an ongoing work for me and um yeah the experiences that patients in our clinic are um going through with ketamine is somewhat equivalent to what I've been going through myself. So I'm no kidding.
1: I, Right. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I, I resonate with uh, many of the experiences that I've been described my patients. Um, so, yeah. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think, you know, what we're sort of hinting at is that you yourself have gone through some of these experiences professionally, just like somebody who's come back from Afghanistan from war. You've seen and experienced certain difficult things. And I was just curious if now being on the other side, if some of the treatment that you're seeing for others, if these types of tools and thoughts have helped you transition from what I can only imagine must have been a very hard line of work. I mean, I have nothing but respect for anybody on the front lines of our healthcare system. That said, I am terrified of personally doing work like that. I'm a very squeamish individual. If I see a drop of blood, I'll pass out. So the idea of just being confronted with this horrific, never-ending stream of just awful things, it, it, it scares me horribly. So I, I guess the question was, well, first of all, I just wanted to say, you know, you're a great person for having done that and for committing to that, which is awesome. But also just now that you're on the other side, how have you been able to to deal with that? And are you happier now? <laughs> basically yeah
0: um yeah like as, as i as you mentioned earlier i think there's certain a group of people who thrive in those environmental like all the, the chaos and what was happening but yeah um for me it was a uh there's so much challenging experience for me and um yeah i um i see that things like this can happen outside of er like many people experience um difficult um Things at work, uh, not just limited to being in ER. Um, so yeah, working with people um, to help them get through whatever they're going through through this work has been really um, rewarding for me because I have been on the side of the uh, the work.
1: Do you feel less helpless now, in a sense? Because before you said, oh, mental health is actually at the root of a lot of these. People mm-hmm. that the symptom is whatever happens to them that brings them into the ER. Do you feel that you have more power in the sense that you can actually shape the kind of change that you want to make?
0: Um, power. I don't know. If power is the right way to say it. Um, power. Yeah, if you're talking about yeah being a one of the ear docs in a large ER um being kind of uh needing to deal with all the things that was happening in front of me as opposed to now i think i'm more somewhat in control of what was happening in front of me i think it's a different way of work um i like the way i work right now um because i really feel like i'm working with people um in a way um let's say, um, I feel like I'm actually working with people. As opposed to when I was working in ER, I felt like my patients were, my patients, but I didn't really, I wasn't able to develop more of the personal connection with the person. I couldn't really feel like I was having the person-to-person conversation with my patients when I was working in a really busy ER. Um, As opposed to now, I, can take time to get to know the person better, where they're coming from, what they're struggling with. Um, and this feeling of connection with each patient um, make me feel that, um, I think make this this work even more fulfilling than um, before, uh, even though like improvement uh, we were making for patients' life maybe are around the same, but I think as a personal level, because of this um, human-to-human interaction that I'm experiencing, um, it makes me feel those experiences being more rewarding than before.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. What a great way to say it. Uh, so for the people out there who suspect that they might be depressed or clinically depressed or people who know that they're depressed and might have treatment-resistant depression... What would you say to them in terms of helping them get the treatment that might help them? Or if they want to get involved and take ketamine-assisted therapy, what should they do?
0: Yeah, first, um, I would ask your own doctor or psychotherapist um, to discuss the treatment in detail. Um, Ketamine is not for everybody um but if you are on certain treatment and you're not feeling better um you should bring it up to your clinician and many clinicians will will be happy to discuss the alternative treatment um maybe to one medication to another or using different psychotherapy modality to make you feel better that may be the first step and um if ketamine comes into the conversation um your clinicians may be able to provide it to you, that's great. And if that's not the case, uh, we are always here to support um, the patients like you. So yeah, um, you can find us on our website. Uh, our website is at um, isha.health, I-S-H-A dot health. Um, there's a lot of information on our website to read through about the treatment, how we deliver the treatment. And we offer the first consultation um, for free um, because we don't want to charge people who don't actually go through the treatment with us. So if you wanted to learn more um, about the treatment or discuss uh, with me um, for the full consultation, um, you can book me at our website as well.
1: Well, that's fantastic. I think it's a tremendous field with incredible potential, and I really hope that people around the world start recognizing it seriously. Governments and everybody starts rescheduling these things because I believe they do have a profound use. And that's why it's been so interesting for me to talk with you today and to hear a story of somebody who's actually doing it, because more and more these types of things that were out there and external, they're becoming a legitimate career choice. It's something that somebody can actually pursue. You can go to UC Berkeley, you can take courses, you can make a difference in this field and you can build a career in this field. And that's the part that I appreciate of you sitting down here and sharing your time with me to make people understand you can be a part of this movement if that's something that you value, which is just awesome. So, Thank you very much for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for what you have done and continue to do. I'm sure you're going to benefit a lot of people in your life, which is fantastic. Um, And yeah, it's been a great conversation. So with that, the official conversation, the official podcast is over. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beat the Off and Path podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've shared, it would mean a great deal to me if you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice or on YouTube. And of course, if you shared either the show itself or this particular episode with somebody who might want to hear it to help us grow the audience for the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if you've been a passive listener all this time, I get it. I understand. There's no big deal with that. But it would really, really mean a lot to me if you'd leave a positive review and help me grow this show. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.